Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Deborah Capaccio. Uh, Deborah's here to share her story and chat about an exciting uh, company that she's launching that I think lots of listeners will be interested in. I'm always excited when people come on the podcast to share their story because I know so many of you find it relatable and it can be helpful when you're going through something with your own separation and divorce to hear uh, what someone else did and how they handled something and what their learnings and advice are. So I always appreciate people coming on and being open to sharing their story. So um, a little bit about Deborah. Uh, she's from Toronto and she splits her time living between Buffalo, New York and Los Angeles in California. I don't know why she wouldn't just stay in Los Angeles, quite frankly, but <laughs> well, maybe I can ask her that because uh, these Canadian winters are not for me. Um, she's married to her loving husband, David, and is a proud mother to her son, Aiden, and her two beautiful stepdaughters. Deborah is an online motivator, speaker, coach, obsessed with smashing personal goals and helping women do the same. She's in the process of launching her new company called Sparkle, Sparkle Girl, Be Fit Forever, Feel Sexy for Good. I love the name. Uh, coming this spring, 2021. Sparkle Girl's mission is to help women permanently solve the problem of losing weight and keeping it off forever through subconscious reprogramming. Through our research-based, easy-to-follow, transformational workshops called I Am a Fit Person Bootcamp, Brain First, Body Second, you'll experience an identity shift and adopt the habits and traits of a fit person in body and mind. The permanent weight loss results that participants have been looking for will naturally follow and the fear of gaining it all back again will simply vanish leaving participants feeling fit sexy and sparkling for good I think that sounds great I, I should find out more about that <laughs> uh, so so welcome to the podcast Deborah. thank you I'm so excited to be here Leanne I'm a big fan of yours I'm not going to fangirl you but thank you for having me <laughs> well I'm I'm a fangirl of yours too so we can we can Fan over fangirl over each other. <laughs> okay. um, why don't you start by just telling listeners a little bit about yourself? I mean, I, I've me I mentioned your bio, but you know, um, if you could tell us a little bit about you know your current situation and background with respect to marriage, divorce, and that sort of thing. Sure. So as you said, um, I was trained as a physical therapist. Oh, just going back. Yes, I live uh, in Buffalo and LA. Um, I'm here in Buffalo because right now that's where my husband's job is. He's a physician and we're kind of rooted here for a few more years, um, but we're eventually going to be trans, you know, transferring over to sunny LA for good. So um, that's to answer that question. Um, as far as myself, <laughs> yes, I, um, I'm a mother, I'm a wife. Interesting story is that I was a physical therapist for about 22 years. And um, I quit the profession, cold turkey at the age of uh, 48. And wow, that is, yeah, part of my story and part of how sparkle girl came to be was, uh, the reality was, uh, I was not passionate about it at all. I went into it for probably the wrong reasons and really was going through life, um, wondering what my true purpose was and had lost my sparkle really. And through a series of events in my own transformation, 
I, I figured that out. And that is to be an online motivator to inspire women to actual action to be the best versions of themselves. And now with my new uh, program and company, uh, I've just pared it down to a science literally, and I, I cannot wait to get started. That sounds very exciting. Um, now, when did like, for, I know you remarried. So when did you when was your first marriage and your divorce? And then when did you remarry? Okay, so I yes, I'm remarried. I got divorced in 2008. Um, I, you know, in a nutshell, my story's, you know, a little bit of a zigzag. Uh, I had met my husband, he was a professional football player, he actually played for the Toronto or Argonauts, but he's American. Oh, wow. Yeah. Living in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, a bit of like a fairy tale romance. Um, me, a sheltered Jewish girl from Toronto meets a hot, handsome football player from the US. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we, you know, we basically fell madly in love is our, is our story. But we kind of went through a tumultuous relationship for years, back and forth. And we did eventually get married in 2002. And I moved to Tucson, Arizona, where he was living. But the reality was we were different. We had different values and it caused uh, friction in our marriage. And by the time I got married, I was 34 and all I could think about was baby, baby, baby. And I really didn't have, I think, the emotional intelligence back then that I do now that says not a good idea, Deborah. You don't have the foundation in, in your marriage to have a baby but I didn't listen. I had a baby and my beautiful son, Aiden, which is a blessing. But as many people know, babies don't bring a marriage together. They actually tear it apart. And things started to unravel. And I kind of had a moment when my son was two where I realized that uh, the coming years were going to be an unhealthy environment for my son. I grew up with parents who were not happy and they stayed together for the marriage. And I had a light bulb moment. And I said, I'm not going to put my son through that. Um, no matter what happens, he was going to be better off with a happy single mother. Uh, somehow I would get there versus having parents who stay together for the kids. And I also realized that if I left while my son was two, that perhaps he would be young enough not to go through the emotional trauma of divorce. And, um, and I went through and went ahead and got, uh, got separated and divorced. That's interesting because uh, my own children were one and a half and three and a half when their dad and I split up. And it was kind of a similar thing. Like I always feel like my kids, they really didn't know, don't know any different than us being apart. So in some ways it, the divorce was easier on them than what I see happening with some of my clients, children who are older. Absolutely agree. Um, there were challenges as far as being a single parent working full time yeah. with a two year old feisty little boy. Um, but like you said, my son literally doesn't have uh, a memory of uh, when we all live together. This is just became his reality. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that that served him in the end. Now, what did you find were the biggest challenges uh, of your separation and divorce? Well, definitely. So just for context, I was living alone in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I had no family and I had none of my lifelong friends there. So when I moved there to, to be with my ex-husband, it was me and him and that was it. And so making that decision uh, was a very scary one because I was alone. And 
many people asked me at the time, well, why didn't you just move back to Toronto where your family was? And it was very important uh, for me that my son fostered a relationship with his father. And I really felt at the time that if I were to leave, my son would not, you know, in the early years, solidify that relationship with his dad. And so I stuck it out for maybe four or five years working full time by myself, two year old son, no family. Um, that was a massive, massive challenge. I'm not really sure how I got through it. I did end up um, becoming close with two, two women who I worked with, who I had just met, and they were there for me. But it was really balancing uh, my day to day while trying to be a decent mother and not an impatient, miserable, miserable mother. But somehow I did it. Oh, and that's amazing because I know I come across a lot of people who, you know, when they're in that situation, they they do want to uproot and go back home to their family. And then the other spouse says, hey, wait a minute. Um, I, you know, I, I have rights here as dad and I want to see my child and they end up getting in, you know, often a very high conflict type of divorce over that. And I, I agree with what you did. I think that, you know, as much as it would have been lovely for you to return home to your to family, it was in your son's best interest to be able to have that time to develop the relationship with his dad. So kudos to you for putting him first and uh, doing that. Thank you. Yes, I think it, I know, I don't think that is paid off uh, big time. Uh, the reality was I was able to see early on um, that although uh, my son's father and myself were not a good match, one thing that I did was I, I avoided vilifying him. You know, we had problems, we had issues. He wasn't a saint, neither was I. But uh, for the sake of my son, I chose to see him as someone that just wasn't a match for me for whatever reason, and that he was the, the father of my child. And actually, his father and I made a pact very early on that we would never, ever, ever speak ill will about the other parent to our son, that that was just not an option. And we stuck to it. And um, we were able to kind of come to a, a respect and a caring for one another. And I have to tell you that it is it has benefited my son immensely by taking that approach. It was, you know, if I had moments when he he pissed me off or he made me upset, especially in the early months when you're really going through with the lawyers, I made a point that I vented to my girlfriends or my mother or whoever. I never, ever, ever went to my son. And that has served served him very, very well. That's fantastic. Um, now, one of the things that I love about you is that you're big into health and wellness, because I think those things are so important. Did this help you when you were going through your divorce? Or were you not as active back then? Actually, no. And I wish that I was so a couple things. I mean, back then, I did go to the gym. Um, being a physical therapist, you do have knowledge about, you know, preventative medicine and health. But I hadn't tapped into my passion for personal development, which is like everything for me now. And so looking back now, I did start therapy, which was massively, massively important. I almost feel like if I had the knowledge that I have now, of uh, my own self discovery, my own trauma that contributed to problems in my marriage, um, I think it would have been a massive, massively effective to kind of help me to move on sooner. But that's okay, because I think in a way, it started the ball rolling. Once I started therapy, um, and if you have a good therapist, they will really 
kind of help you identify what is going on. And that started the curiosity on my end to really explore who I was. And that's taken me to where I am today. That's fantastic. Now, I understand that you have remarried and you have a blended family. So tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so my husband now actually worked at the same hospital as me when I was in Arizona. Uh, kismet. We just were in the same place. We were friends for years. I had been divorced for maybe three, four years and he um, had been separated. And so we kind of started, you know, we, we started flirting and I thought, well, you know, maybe, and we ended up um, dating. But at this point, I had decided that I was going to move back to Canada with my family. My son was older. Um, he had a well-established relationship with his father. His father was good with it. We had a plan. We had a parenting plan, a back and forth. And so as far as my current husband, you know, I said to him, look, I'm moving back to Canada. So peace out. Uh, it, it's been fun. And well, <laughs> what happened was he told me a couple <laughs> months later that he was going to be moving to Buffalo. Uh, because his ex and his kids, uh, his ex was from there. So he kind of said to me, you know, Buffalo, Toronto is a two hour drive. And I just thought he was ridiculous. I ignored him. Well, <laughs> I ended up in Toronto, probably a week after I landed, he texted me and said that flights were on sale. He hadn't made the move yet from Arizona. And he said, you know, can I come up? And I had one of those moments where I thought if I let him come up here, then this is this is going to go somewhere. And I, I thought about it. And I thought about who he was. And I thought about everything, all the work I had done, I'd been single for four long years. And I'll tell you, you, you can get to a point after divorce that you wonder, will I ever kind of find someone? Did I screw up too badly that I, I'm damaged goods? And something about it, you know, this, this man said to me, he's really everything that you want. It's messy. He's getting divorced. You, you know, blended family, you live in two different countries. I, I started to listen to that voice, you know, more and more with my own self discovery and said, I texted him. I said, all right, come on up. Well, the long short of it is he, he came up and he moved to Buffalo shortly after. And we started a long distance uh, relationship. Again, still wasn't sure where it would go, but it quickly turned serious. And this is kind of where my story gets even more complicated. My son uh, said to me after we were home for two years and said, Mom, I want to move to California with, with dad. So my son was 10, um, was doing well, had been seeing his, his father, you know, regularly spending summers, Christmas holidays, his dad would go back and forth, we made it work. Um, I was dating David, we were back and forth. And, you know, my son just was so eloquent and wise beyond his years and said, Mom, you know, it has nothing to do with how much I love you. I could I'd get a little emotional, but I need time with my father. And um, so what occurred was, um, you know, a lot of deep breaths, a lot of tears and pride, <laughs> um, and saying to my son, you know, let's, let's talk about this. I'm open to this. Let's talk about it with dad. And of course, I contacted his father and his father was willing and able. His father was in a stable relationship, had turned out to be a wonderful dad. I, there was no question, you know, that my son wouldn't thrive. But I had to kind of decide if this was about me and what was best for me or what was best for my son. 
I, you know, we went to a therapist and we dug deep and we realized, and I realized that by not allowing my son this time with his father would not serve either one of us, that he would constantly wonder the rest of his life and blame me, perhaps, you know, you never let me go. And so I let him move. Um, he moved there in 2015. We kind of redid our parenting plan. Lucky enough, I was able to visit him every month. But at that point, I was in Toronto and my new boyfriend was in Buffalo. And so there was really no reason for me to stay in Toronto. And so David and I decided that I would relocate with him to Buffalo and we would kind of start a more official life and I would live there. And we ended up getting married uh, two years after that. And this is where we are. <laughs> wow. I mean, I have to tell you, I'm so impressed with your, you know, how you handled the situation with your son, because I mean, you truly showed, you know, a maturity and really putting your son's best interests first, because I think a lot of people, you know, would have had a really hard time doing that. And I mean, I like to think if I was in that situation, I would have done exactly what what you did, but I know, you know, just from my experience with the clients and people I talk to who are going through divorce, I don't think a lot of them would. And I, I as I say, I have enormous respect for you for being able to do that. And, you know, it's interesting because I've talked with child therapists over the years, um, both in a professional level and even just, you know, with stuff to do with my, my own children. And, you know, one of the things I've often heard is that it, particularly in the teen years, like that's when boys, actually even girls, like the children you seem to be with, they need their mother often more in their younger years. And then in their teen years, their relationship with their father can often become like very, very important. So it seems like the time for that was you know the right time and um as i say i just have to give i have enormous respect for the decision you made because i'm sure that wasn't easy you know i if anyone's listening and they're in this you know a bit of a tough situation i you know i just i just want to give reassuring advice that i will tell you my son is now 15 and he's lived there for five years and it is it has been hell at times for me. I mean, the tears I've shed, um, my poor husband listening to me and it just, it, it, we haven't been able to relocate to Los Angeles yet. Um, that is our plan, but I, I, the product of doing what's best for your child, the value, you know, my son is 15 and he's the most empathetic, caring, well-adjusted child that reaffirms my decision every day. And so you know, a little message to, to viewers that when you're struggling and um, what I always come back to when I really miss him is I, I do a quick FaceTime and I look at his face and I say, how is he doing? Is he happy? Is he thriving? Yes, Deborah, he is. Then I'm going to be okay. And that's really, really helped me. Yeah. And, and you were so like wise and mature not to take it as an affront on, you know, his relationship with you, that it didn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that there was anything lacking in your relationship with him at all. It was just totally he needed to have that time with his father um, before he's, you know, 25 or 30 years old. And as I say, for you to recognize that and put that ahead of yourself and your own needs is just absolutely amazing. Thank you, Leanne. A lot, a lot of therapy, a lot of reading, a lot of praying, <laughs> meditation, all those things work. <laughs> so now, aside from the situation with 
with your son, what are some of the challenges you found with blending families? Because uh, you've mentioned that um, David has two daughters and you're a stepmother to them. So how has that been? So yes, so very, you know, lots of challenges, lots of, of difficulties. One, one thing that's really been kind of eye opening is when you when you kind of have the realization that your kids involved in a blended family didn't ask for this, you know, they didn't sign up for this, they signed up for, you know, that family with their mom and dad living in the same house and just growing and going on with their life. They didn't sign up for every other weekend. They didn't sign up for this new mother figure in their life who they don't know from Adam. And so on, on our end, initially with my son, uh, he had a little bit of friction with, with David in the early years, because don't forget he was with mommy 100% of the time and he had all my attention. So we have to work through a little bit of that. But, you know, David's girls, it's been harder. Um, you know, they were older. They were eight and 12 during their divorce. And that, you know, makes a, a world of difference. They were cognizant of the separation. They have memories of their dad living there. And so, you know, the challenge has been a blended family all coming together and me having like a deep need that they accept me, that they see me in a positive light and perhaps trying to rush that, you know, and wanting everything to be, I wouldn't say perfect, but cohesive. But the reality is it's just not, it's just not all the time. And um, they had moments that it seemed easy. And then they had moments that it was a real challenge that they were not excited about the situation. So again, we have really had to get help with this. Like, I mean, that's the biggest thing is that I just don't think we, you know, we can go with this without getting the proper kind of objective help from a therapist who's trained in dealing with blended families who can kind of tell you, you know, this is the reality. And I want you to put yourself in the place of the kids, because I do think sometimes we can get impatient, just want to hurry them along. Whereas when you really put yourself in the minds of the kids who are going through this, you start to have a lot more compassion for the situation. So biggest challenge is kind of coming together and really understanding that, you know, it's not going to be perfect or near perfect until the kids are ready to kind of get to that spot. Yeah, I guess it's like you have to go at their pace, not at your pace. I think so. I think there has to be sort of firm boundaries in place. One thing that kind of came up a lot for my husband is, is guilt. Um, I think that's an easy uh, kind of mentality to fall into, especially if you initiated the divorce, you feel guilt and you want to make your kids happy all the time. And it becomes a little bit harder to say no to them. It becomes a little bit harder to draw firm boundaries. And that doesn't serve your kids in the end. So that's a whole other dynamic that comes into play. Whereas when you're married and everything's fine, you can say no to your kids and throw, you know, say absolutely not. But when you're only seeing your kids, let's say on the weekend, and you want every minute to be joyous, and they act like an ass, you have to still be able to say no, that's not okay. So that was a whole other challenge for my husband to kind of work through his guilt and still be okay with drawing those boundaries. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's good advice. Um, do you have any other advice for parents who are in a blended family? You know, I think it's, 
really being cognizant of your messaging and what comes kind of out of your mouth and really sticking to the rule that you will never ever speak ill will of their parent. I mean, it just seems so obvious to me, but uh, even just looking on social media, some people posting um, negative things about their um, new husband's ex or God knows what. I mean, so this is like as basic as it comes is like, even if it was a messy divorce, and that other person, you know, might not be, you know, dealing with it well, or in reality, whatever it is, is that you you never speak ill will, you remain positive, you give those kids the space that they need to kind of come up to you. And that was early on, like I, I said earlier, was a struggle, I definitely forced it, I definitely pushed it looking back. I definitely tried to be their friend a little bit more than kind of hold a parenting role because I didn't want them to think I was trying to be their mother. And I think that you can do both. I think that you don't have to be their best friend and you also don't have to pretend you're their mother. So it's a bit of a balancing act. And again, an amazing therapist helps with that type of thing. So how do you define a successful divorce? Okay, so this is, I would say, number one is acceptance that it's happening. So I think what happens sometimes is, especially if you're not the one who wants it, um, you hear a lot of women or men saying they were blindsided, I had no idea, and, and that couldn't be that person's reality. I think the sooner we accept it, once it is happening, then your actions will start to be dictated in a way that will promote your new reality. So stopping to resist it, stopping to drag out the, you know, well, if you would have, she would have, all that kind of um, rhetoric will help you to kind of move forward in a healthy manner. Um, Releasing bitterness, I just you know, like I said early on with my ex, without going into details, you know, there was betrayals in certain ways. And it's just certain things that I could definitely be bitter about. I think if you're getting divorced, things have occurred that you can be bitter about. Yeah, it doesn't serve you to hold on to that anger. And I think the sooner you can forgive that person and, and forgive your ex, which by the way, is more about what you're doing for yourself than condoning anything they did, the better off you're going to be and your kids are going to be. And, and then I think from there, just allowing yourself the time and space to focus on you before you kind of jump into a brand new relationship and get all tangled up in that. Because you really have to heal and take accountability for the failure of the marriage on your end. And that's really all that you can do. I think that's so true and such great advice. Now, I always like to leave listeners with something positive and inspiring. And I find you to be a very positive, inspiring person. Uh, So what is the most positive thing that came out of your divorce? Other than your beautiful son? Yes, honestly, it's the if I would have kind of not accepted the divorce and blamed my ex, I never ever would have found my new partner, my amazing best friend, um, husband, I believe life partner, because I would have always been looking back. And so 
this is what I would say. If, if you are going through a divorce or you're early on in the separation, you do feel blindsided, but it's happening. Like it, you're past the point that it can reconcile. I want you to just take, take some blind faith that this is the path that you're supposed to be on. And that literally you are going to find that the best is yet to come for you. And that if you do the work and you face the pain and you go through the motions towards positivity and personal growth, the right person is coming and they're just, they're around the corner. Great advice. Now, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about um, Sparkle? I don't know if for some reason I'm having a hard time saying Sparkle today, but Sparkle, <laughs> Sparkle, Sparkle, Sparkle Girl. Girl. It is a little bit of a alliteration situation. <laughs> so, so basically, um, it, it was born only a few months ago, um, maybe six months now that when we're, your listeners are, are listening to us. But I, um, I worked as a Beachbody coach for a couple years. Love, love, love Beachbody. Love the products. Love the um, solutions. Still do them. But what I found was, you know, there was only a small percentage of women that were getting results and keeping the results. So in other words, a lot of my women would come and they would sign up and they were fired up and they would, they would lose weight and they would get into a program and they would eat well. But why were only a small percentage able to maintain that routine and keep the weight off for good? And so I had had results with that. I was able to do it. And so I looked at kind of my top percentage of my clientele who also were two years in, you know, longer and I got to work researching every single detail of their patterns, habits, mindsets. And, and what I came up with was that women um, are not identifying themselves as someone capable of optimal fitness for the long term. Now, they might think that they are, okay, but their subconscious has been fed other ways. So in other words, they have a messaging system that says, I can never stick to anything. I can't lose weight and keep it off. I struggle sticking to an exercise program and whatever else. I'm, I'm always going to feel fat and unattractive. I mean, you can go on with everything. And when I looked at my women who were suffering and struggling and I interviewed them, they had this language without being prompted. And so I developed, I decided, all right, Exercise and, and nutrition, there's more than one ways to skin a cat. Some are better than others, but really we're missing the mark. We're not focusing on the mind and the brain piece. And so I developed this easy to follow kind of eight week online boot camp that is brain first, body second, where I'm going to teach the women an identity shift. And so through reprogramming their mind and their subconscious thoughts and their beliefs, the weight loss is going to follow where by the end of the eight weeks, they are going to just be a fit person, which is what happened to me is I just became a fit person and my habits and my behaviors followed, but I had to switch my mindset first. So I'm very excited, very excited about this. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And how can listeners find you if they'd like to learn more about you or your program? So I'm on the IG, of course. So it's Deborah underscore Capaccio, one P two C's and it's D E B O R A H. 
Um, if they want to, uh, you know, have a chat and see if this program could be for them, it's not for everyone, absolutely not for everyone. But if you want to get on a call, they can go to get your sparkle back girl.com and then slash uh, forward slash apply now and they can just immediately fill out a uh, book a call with me and we can chat and we can see if it would be a great fit for them. That sounds great. Now, is it for any particular age group or just all women in general? You know, it's it's for anyone who's been struggling kind of with yo-yo dieting and they can't kind of get a handle on getting their fitness squared away for good so they can focus on who they are meant to be and get that sparkle back. And so my primary, you know, clients are middle age like me. I'm going to be 50. Um, I would love to work with women who are in their late 40s into 60s. Uh, you know, I think those are the women who are fed up and tired, but it's really open to anybody. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being vulnerable and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, recommend the podcast to your friends and family, and come back each week and join me on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits Mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to you have to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.